You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. Satan will do everything he can to try to silence you, to try to keep you behind bars, right? But eventually and hopefully you realize, hey, hey, Satan doesn't, he can't do that. No matter what Satan tries to do to silence you, God wants to break you out of that prison. He wants your voice to be heard. He wants your message to be declared. Can you say amen? You have freedom, future, and promise in Jesus Christ. In today's message from Pastor Dion, he shares with you the importance of keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. The enemy is always going to try and discourage you and throw obstacles in your way. He doesn't want the message of salvation going out. But Pastor Dion urges you to stay focused on Jesus. He'll destroy all of the obstacles that Satan tries to put in your way. Keep trusting in Jesus. Now let's join Pastor Dion in the book of Acts chapter 13 as he continues his message, Unstoppable. God's enemies are no match for him. Pharaoh of Egypt learned that. Him and his soldiers were buried beneath the Red Sea. Goliath learned that God's enemies are no match for him. Goliath was dropped like a bad habit. Nebuchadnezzar learned it. I mean, he, he was set out to pasture, literally. He ended up, you know, God gave him, kind of cursed him. He became a wild man for seven years. Thought he was a, thought he was a goat. Belshazzar learned that God's enemies are no match for him. Belshazzar was stood, you know, was using all of the, the implements and the, and the cups and the goblets and the platters from the temple on a, on a horrible, immoral party. And a finger like a cloud came out of the sky and wrote in the wall, many, many tekel yafarsis, which means you have been Weighed in the balances and found wanting, Belshazzar. Today, you will be chained and taken out of the way. Wow. Everybody say, wow. King Agrippa learned that God's enemies are no match for him. I mean, jeepers, creepers for, 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 for you know, King Agrippa. <laughs> really? Yeah. I like to say that he was bored to death. There's only one, one word for all those who determine to silence God's people. Only one word. It's called incoming. Say it out loud. What? Incoming. Here's what Psalm 7 says. It says it best. Psalm 7, verse 10. Read it with me. God is my shield. Saving those whose hearts are true and right. God is an honest judge. He's angry with the wicked every day. 
If a person does not repent, God will sharpen his sword. He will bend and string his bow. He will prepare his deadly weapons and shoot his flaming arrows. If God be for you, who can be against you? That's a good place to look at your neighbor and smile, man. (laughs) Wow! Jesus makes his church this. Everybody said out loud. Herod was Herod Agrippa was pursuing Peter. He was ready to silence the church. He was ready to take it out. He picked the wrong fight. Here he thought he was fighting Peter. Here Herod thought he was fighting the church. But he was really fighting God. And God, he holds no punches. He pulls no punches. He let Herod Agrippa have it. Well, we know that our enemy Satan doesn't give up easily. Right? We know that. If he can't stop us by silencing the messengers, you know, Peter, James, if if Satan can't, you know, stop us by stopping and silencing the messengers, he tries another strategy. And that is to discourage the hearer. Everybody say what? Discourage the hearer. So understand, every single one of us is anointed, commissioned by the Lord Jesus to share his gospel, right? Every single one of us has God's word that we can carry and share. Our personal testimony of God's own work in our lives. We all have that. Alright, so Satan will do everything he can to try to silence you. To try to keep you behind bars. Right? But eventually, and hopefully, you realize, hey, hey, Satan does he can't do that. No matter what Satan tries to do to silence you, God wants to break you out of that prison. He wants your voice to be heard. He wants your message to be declared. Can you say amen? So, Satan knows at one point you get too fired up, too passionate to stop you. He can't stop the messenger. Maybe at first you felt shy. Maybe at first you felt you know, inadequate. Maybe at first you felt like you couldn't do it. But then after a while, as you keep coming to church, right? As you keep hearing God's Word, you become a little bit more bold, a little bit more uh, educated, a little bit more knowledgeable, a little bit more full of God's Spirit. And then you start to share. So Satan realizes, I can't silence them. God has broken them out of the prison. They're free and they're sharing the gospel. Isn't that exciting? So at this point, he says, well, here's what I can't do. If I can't silence them, I am going to try to discourage the hearers. All right, that's his next option. Chapter 13 sheds some light, here in the book of Acts, sheds some light over uh, about this. See, over at the church in Antioch, Syria, Barnabas and Saul had been teaching and coaching believers to be like Christ. We learned that a couple of weeks ago. 
Uh, the Gentile church, I mean, blossomed in this place called Antioch in Syria. And Barnabas, who was uh, in Jerusalem, you know, went out to check it out and began to teach them. He realizes the church was growing there with Gentiles. He needed more help. He went to get the uh, Saul of Tarsus, and he, um, who was not far away, and he brought him to help him. And together they started coaching and teaching the people how to be more like Christ. And, and, and they were really impacting the community there in, in Antioch. There was a revival, an awakening. In fact, let's give those guys a cheer. I mean, yeah, they're doing God's work. Well, the Holy Spirit moved the leaders of the church in Antioch to send Barnabas and Saul out as missionaries. So as Barnabas and Saul were working at the church and people were growing in Christ, they were also developing and cultivating other leaders. And man, the church was doing awesome. But then the church said they're moved by the Spirit to send Barnabas and Saul out as missionaries to take the message and the ministry even farther than their city. Look at your neighbor and say, that's always a good idea. It's what God intended. It's what Jesus intended. Now, After being prayed for over, Barnabas and Saul purchased tickets to sail to the island of Cyprus. And so let's go ahead and take a look at that. And um, here's where it is. This is Antioch, Syria. Israel, okay, is right over here. And so the, the, the church of Antioch is really growing. Barnabas and uh, Saul are, are, are doing a wonderful job. But the church decides that they're going to send them out. They want this message and this ministry to go out further. And so Barnabas and Saul buy a ticket. They ask John Mark, the, the writer of the Gospel of Mark, before he wrote it, he's still a young man, to go with them. And they sell to the island of Cyprus. Everybody say it out loud. Where? The island of Cyprus. It's pretty cool. Now, Cyprus was a large island with at least 12 large towns that were heavily influenced by Roman Greco culture. Uh, you know, it was abounding. The, the whole island was abounding in politics and education, in athletics and philosophy. I mean, I always imagined that Barnabas and Saul were pumped with this excitement and, and anticipation to, to get out there. Saul, in fact, probably stood on the bow of the, of the boat as they left and narrated, uh, you know, on the dock. He probably said, Cyprus, the final frontier. This is the voyage of the mission ship Enterprise. It's God-given mission to explore strange new places, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly preach Jesus where no one has preached Him before. Yeah, right? As they got to Cyprus, Barnabas and Saul preached about Jesus as they journeyed across the island of Cyprus. But one incident stood out. Everybody say what? One incident stood out. Beep, beep. Captain's log, star date, 13.6. Let's read it. Chapter 13, verse 6. Now when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the Proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas 
and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. Sergius Paulus did, the, 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 the proconsul. But Elimaeus, the sorcerer, for he is, that's his name translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, Now I want to pause right there, all right? I want to go ahead and mention this. Saul, who is also called Paul. This is where Saul of Tarsus, now his name is going to be changed to Paul. And not changed, he had two names. He had a Jewish name and he had a Roman name. Saul was his Jewish name. Paul is his Roman name. As long as he was in in Jerusalem, in Israel, he used his heritage name, the Jewish name, Saul. It has a lot of history in in Israel. But now that he's preaching to Gentiles, he is going to use his Roman name. You see, he's going to be able to identify with them because he is on both sides. But nevertheless, then Saul, who is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked at that Elimaeus who was trying to keep his, you know, his, his boss from hearing the message, looked intently at him and said, O oh, fool of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now, indeed, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind and not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeing, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teachings of the Lord. Hmm. Now, the Roman governor, okay, his, the Roman governor of Paphos, there on the island of Cyprus, his name is Sergius Paulus, was interested in the message that Barnabas and Saul had been sharing around his province. So he invited them to the governor's mansion so he could hear, and he says it, the word of God. Say it out loud, the what? The word of God. Because that's exactly what it is. God breathed. They are God's words. All right? So he wants to hear the good news, the word of God. The Holy Spirit, guys, is the one who had stimulated an interest in this governor had stimulated a curiosity and a thirst in this man's heart. You see, the Holy Spirit, before we are saved, works from the outside, nudging us towards God. But Satan does everything possible to turn us away from the truth. Right? You remember. The Apostle Paul explained it like this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. Let's read it. If the good news we preach is hidden to anyone, it is hidden from the one who is on the road to eternal death. Satan, who is the god of this evil world, has made him blind, unable to see the glorious light of the gospel that is shining upon him or to understand the amazing message we preach about the glory of Christ, who is God. That was us before B.C. Everybody say what? B.C. Before Christ, we were in the same situation. 
God's word was going out. We might have shown an interest, but Satan is trying to keep our mind clouded, trying to keep us blind from hearing the truth. That's what's happening here. The governor's aide or advisor was a backslidden Jew. He was raised in around God. He was raised with the knowledge of God. But now he's a backslidden Jew. And his name was Bar-Jesus. That means son of Jesus. Not our Jesus. Jesus was a, a, a very common name in Israel. But he was son of a guy named Jesus in Israel. But everyone now called him Ilemas, which means sorcerer. Said out loud, what? Sorcerer. I mean, picture a guy who looks like Marilyn Manson. Everybody say, ooh. This Bar-Jesus character, Elimaeus, had rebelled against God and walked over to the dark side. He had partnered and consulted with demons. And up to now, he has had his boss blind. But when the governor heard the gospel for the first time, Jesus' statement came alive. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall, will set you free. Amen. Wow, it happened. When he heard the gospel, it hit him. God's word began erupting in the governor's mind and spirit. Do you remember when that first happened to you? When the word of God finally penetrated the blindness, the darkness, the wool that Satan had over your eyes, and when it finally got through, it was an awakening. Well, Elimaeus, this sorcerer, desperately tried everything he could to create doubt and confusion. He tried to contradict and derail and discourage his boss from embracing the truth. But here's the fact. No devil, no demon, and no deviant can keep the truth from, from illuminating a lost soul. Nobody. In fact, God explained it like this in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11. It is the same with my word, God said. I sent it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Every verse of Scripture, every paragraph, every sentence, every single word of God's Word, it will do what He wants it to do. It's like a seed. You know, you, can, you put a seed in the ground, and I tell you what happened. It comes out. You can't stop it. You can't control it. It is going to erupt. The message is unstoppable. Say it out loud. The message is unstoppable. And if that's the case, we should share it a whole lot more. If God's Word is like a seed that is unstoppable, then we should really share it a whole lot more. Now, I know you might be arguing that the world is refusing and rebutting and rejecting the message. The world, they just don't want to hear it anymore. They don't want, they're shutting their doors. They're, they're, they're plugging their ears. They don't want to hear it. But I'll ask you to consider this. The Roman Empire, everybody say it out loud, the what? The Roman Empire despised the message. 
The emperors, Caligula, Nero, Domitian, Vespasian, and Titus outlawed the message in Rome. They intended to eradicate the Christian church and its Christ. They spilled its blood in the, in the Colosseum. They cheered for its death. But today, the empire of Rome lies in ruins, while the church and its message still thrives. Wow. 2,000 years later, who is still standing? Everybody, look at your neighbor and say, unstoppable. Let me also remind you, during the early 1700s, the Bible was scarce. Uh, there weren't enough um, you know, printing presses. There weren't enough. It wasn't available uh, to, to get it out there. During that time, an infamous French humanistic philosopher who was an opponent of the church, his name was Voltaire, he said, the Bible and the church will be forgotten and dead within 50 years. In fact, he used his own printing presses to print propaganda that ridiculed and denounced Christians and the Word of God. Seventy-five years later, Voltaire was dead. And the Geneva Bible Society had bought his home in Geneva. They printed and binded Bibles on his printers and scattered them throughout Europe. 25 years after he's dead, God knows what he's doing. What that really does, guys, is tells us that Jesus called it. Matthew 16, 18, last verse of the morning. Jesus said it. Read it with me. Jesus said, on this rock. All right, let's stop, let's stop there, just so you understand. The rock is the message, is the revelation that Jesus is the anointed Messiah and Christ. The rock is not Peter. Jesus made a distinguish that in the verses above it. He said, you are Peter, that word Peter means small stone, and upon this rock, what Peter had done, what had he done? He had said, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon that confession, I will build my church and, everybody, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Isn't that awesome, guys? So, I close with this statement. Every one of us Christians have been commissioned as an unstoppable messenger with an unstoppable message. Wow. Wow. You are an unstoppable messenger with an unstoppable message. So if that's the case, I think that the guy on Duck Dynasty says, let her rip, fellowship, right? Look at your neighbor and say, let her rip, fellowship. Wow, an unstoppable messengers with and an unstoppable message.
We're so glad that you joined us today for The Simple Truth, a ministry of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. Pastor Dion Cordova has been sharing from the book of Acts, a book that gives us an insider's peek into the first 30 years of the church. From persecution to miracles, this book truly has it all. What an inspiring narrative, watching how disciples like Peter go from denying Jesus to losing his life for Jesus. Luke, the writer of Acts, gives us a perspective that emphasizes life change. He writes, And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Jesus didn't just come to change the system. He came to change people. If what you heard today has impacted you, we would love to hear about it and pray for you too. You're more than welcome to give us a call at 505-753-4363. Again, 505-753-4363. We'd like to encourage you to get involved in a local church as well. This will be a place that you can ask questions, learn more about Jesus, and find support as you grow in your faith. Are you in the Española area? If so, we would love for you to come visit us at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. We meet on Sundays and Wednesdays for a time of worship, Bible study, and fellowship. You can find out more and get directions to the church by visiting tmcalvary.com. That's tmcalvary.com. Our time with you is coming to an end today, but we want to thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join us again next time for more from the book of Acts right here on The Simple Truth. You're the one that we claim. We'll be fools for you as you work in us. May a power show in the deeds we sow. Let us join our hands and together we stand. Together.